0: Good morning, my sweet angel of a sister. Hello. Welcome to our podcast, Pop Apologists. Are you on drugs? Why are you being so nice to me? So I'm doing this thing where I go to sleep by 10 p.m. I'm not going to bed at 10. I literally am asleep by 10 p.m. and I'm waking up at 6 every morning and it's giving me like this great... Um, like set of I don't know. I just get this like rush of endorphins in the morning now because I'm so like awake before the, my day starts. So I have all this time to do all these things, um, mm-hmm. and I'm just loving yeah. it. Oh, great! So are now we get, are we now going to be you know forced to suffer through your wellness routine, which includes sanctimoniously waking up at six a.m., grounding yourself with a bowl of oatmeal, pouring a glass of hot water with lemon. Uh, yeah, you're going to be subject to that. I mean, I literally went to bed last night as I was crawling into bed. Like it was not fully dark outside. Like that's a beautiful thing. That is generally my timeline is going to bed between nine and 10 and waking up right at six or 6.30. Mm-hmm. Sometimes even 5.30 if I'm dieting and I'm a little bit – if I try to go to bed hungry. And, you know – I don't experience this sort of like spiritual benefits that you're alluding to. For me, it's just kind of my body's clock and how things are working. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm glad you are finding it to be a restorative so, schedule. Yeah. So here's the thing. I'm I'm writing my jet lag still from like in my mm. timetable from being in Puerto Rico. I'm also going to be moving to East Coast time and I'm going to Utah next week before I go to New York. So I'm just trying to like, you know, get ahead of things, uh, if you will. Kagan and I, when we first moved to Puerto Rico, we really tried, to, or Kagan is already, you know, could sleep till 10, 10:30 every day and then stay up till two or three in the morning. And he was like, You should try to get on my schedule. That oh my way, gosh. you know, you're awake more for West Coast time. Um, and you know, you can be awake when your friends are awake and your family's awake, and it'll just be better socially all around, all across the board. But people's circadian rhythms really are biologically ingrained. And there's many studies on this. People are just naturally early risers Mm or late risers. Mm -hmm. And there's just not much you can do. Like I so quickly fell back into a 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. schedule. And it's just literally how your body is wired. Not to go off on a tangent on this, but there's actually been interesting articles about this because people who are naturally early risers just have a leg up in general because they're more awake when they get to work they are like more awake when they oh, get yeah. to school they just have an easier time going through life than people who need to sleep later and there's just been interesting studies about how like we talk about early risers in, a, mm-hmm. in our culture like they're more virtuous even though it's just literally their biology so i think that's interesting well i think there are people and i have close friends who literally like cannot go to bed before 1 or 2 a.m. Like it's, right. it's just like actually unfathomable for them Right. And they just physically cannot make their body do it in the same way that I can't make my body stay up past – like unless I have something to do or I'm like working on something really, really intense, like I cannot stay up past 11. Like it's right. not – my body literally starts to like decay and crumble and, and, and those people also cannot really function or wake up and feel good before 10 a.m. Exactly. But we talk about them like they're like sloths and so undisciplined when it has nothing to do with that. Also, I've been packing my apartment, which has made me pretty tired. And I've wanted to go to bed like basically immediately after packing and I haven't wanted to stay up and do anything. Speaking of which, I have to tell you what happened with my packing situation. Okay. Okay. So we'll get into our weekend and everything that happened with our family. Mm -hmm. Um, But before I left for St. George – I so what I'm doing to move is I'm using MakeSpace which is like this company that like basically sends you bags and then you pack all your stuff in these bags then they bring bins and they like move you and put you in storage Okay, that's what I'm doing. That's my plan. That's how I'm going to be, you know, putting my life in San Francisco on hold to go to New York for the summer. They put your things in storage. They put my things in storage, and they give me like bags, basically IKEA bags that they then put into bins to then store. It. Like I don't have to do a bunch of like cardboard boxes. Amazing. Love yeah, it. it's a great service. I've really enjoyed my time. In fact, if they want to sponsor this podcast. I would love that. They just got a free ad, so I think they're probably good. Yeah. If, <laughs> if you'd like to give me a rebate, I'd really appreciate it. Anyways, these bags are like – they're the size of basically a blue IKEA bag, okay? So before I went to St. George, I decided I'm going to get like a leg up and I'm going to pack like one or two bags full of like stuff I'm not using, okay? Mm-hmm. So I pack about three bags and then I um, I see how much stuff I have, okay, and, and how much stuff really does just go into one bag. And – it's not enough. It's not even close to being enough. So I make a very panicked phone call to a Make Space representative. Okay. I already feel <laughs> Where, bad for them. I know. Where I say I need sixty more bags. Okay.
1: <laughs> 60. Immediately,
0: I need sixty. So like, and and I just honestly did not. Ha- I don't have great spatial like awareness, reasoning, whatever. Right. Totally. I didn't, I didn't get into the gate program. There's my you know, it's my greatest shame. Um, <laughs> So I say <laughs> I need 60 bags and I need them immediately because I'm moving and I I don't have the space forever. I don't have the bags because I already had only had like 20. Okay. So they're like, oh my gosh, like, yes, no problem. They're like, this will bump you up into like basically, you know, a 500 square foot uh, <laughs> storage unit. And oh I'm my like, gosh. I'm like, fine, do it. Whatever. I like, I'll sign to the dotted line. No problem. Just get whatever's me these bags. necessary. Yeah. Um, the nice part, though, about MakeSpace is that if you don't end up using all that space, they will take you down. Great. Let's finish the ad. I love it. Yeah. So um, MakeSpace is a state-of-the-art moving – I'm just kidding. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, so I have them, like, basically overnight me this big package of bags. And I need to come clean on the podcast because I've done – I did a lot of packing the day I got back. And I've basically – How many bags did you I use? filled about 12. Okay. <laughs> And I think I might cap out at about, uh, I think I might cap out at maybe 25 bags. I don't know what it is. It's just an illness. I don't know if it's particular to our family or to most human beings but there's just such an inability to anticipate consumption like it's just making way more food than the, than is necessary mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. needing thinking you need way more packing materials than is necessary it's like a fear of running out of things drives you to like make up for it and overdo it in leaps and bounds right my my scarcity mentality is alive and well um right. so i have I think I've now got a grand total of like 90 bags in my possession and I will only be using about 25 of them. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Well, I'm sure the people of MakeSpace are really grateful for you as a customer. Yeah, I'm sure they are as well. So that's, that's what I've been dealing with um, since I've gotten back. <laughs> Um, well, should we segue back to before you were moving, back yes. to the week after Puerto Rico? Because it's been a doozy and a bender, not a bender. <laughs> it's been an emotional bender. Yeah. Um, but it's been a doozy of a week, that's lots, for sure. Lots have happened for sure. Okay, so you guys left Puerto Rico on a Saturday. And when we were in Puerto no, Rico, we left Saturday we left Puerto Rico on Sunday, Monday, early Monday morning at like one thirty okay. AM. Right. I mean, our friends left on Saturday. You left Sunday morning or Monday morning, Sunday night basically at like mm-hmm. midnight. Right. Um, And then it was literally the next day. Okay. And, and this is also like on the heels of a long vacation. It felt like that, like eight solid days of you know, right. consuming, over-consuming. We all felt like garbage, human I, beings. I was essentially catatonic the day I returned – on Memorial Day, the day I returned to San Francisco. Like, I flew at one thirty a.m. from Puerto Rico to New York with, with Ben. We had like a – we slept for like three hours on the flight. Then I had a four-hour layover. He took me to get McDonald's breakfast. I cried because I was saying <laughs> goodbye for three weeks. And it was – and then I flew back to San Francisco – catatonic the whole day like so sad serotonin levels completely depleted like I was Mm -hmm. I was in a state I think I called you crying as well Mm -hmm. emotions were all over the place for you in terms of vacation being over and you know leaving your boyfriend for a few weeks the honeymoon phase it's a hell of a drug people it really Um, is (laughs) like heroin in my veins I will say I was deeply looking forward to like a few weeks of just eating really simply and moderately and sitting in my cool, quiet, clean apartment, you know, surrounded by silence and serenity. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say those were qualities I was looking forward to in my experience in the forthcoming weeks. Totally. Deeply. I mean, I I was ready for my body to start contracting again instead of ever expanding, binging on Mexican food for eight solid days. I had been on a dead run of traveling. Like ever since I got vaccinated, I've just like, you know, fully become a jet setter. Like I I went to Palm Springs the weekend before Puerto Rico. I Then I went to Puerto Rico and then like I've just been living out of my like carry on. And I also needed to move like my entire apartment basically in the two weeks after Puerto Rico. So I as well was looking forward to like a little bit of routine and like getting organized and like hitting reset normalcy. So we got news that our grandma was not doing great as the Puerto Rico trip was, you know, ending, I would say in the last couple of days, mm-hmm. and And our grandma has, you know, been kind of up and down for about a year and a half, but generally up. Like she's been doing well, doing great, made an unexpected recovery and remission from her cancer again. And so it's been really an amazing year and a half for her or it was, mm-hmm. but then she started to precipitously decline. And, and you know, we had made some amazing memories with her in the past year, and I felt like it had been... Because we knew that she, you know, wasn't going to be here forever and that became abundantly clear, we really had made an effort to go to St. George and really make some memories with her and we'd had some great times. And so when we got this news, I was super emotional about it, Um, but I didn't know if I was going to go all the way back to Utah to necessarily say goodbye. I just – from Puerto Rico, it's an 11-hour journey. It's three flights, you know, two layovers. It's pretty – strenuous to get there. And I just didn't know what I was gonna do. You know, I think that I really didn't want to travel again. Like that was the last thing I wanted to do was kind of be on vacation again. I had so much work to do. Just wanted a normal sane routine. Chandler, I'm sure you felt somewhat similarly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, I like had needed to move. I needed to like kind of like tie things up with like my like life here a little bit before I like left for the summer. Um, also I think what what I didn't really anticipate or like what was at play was that our grandma was like, has made some miraculous like recoveries. Like we've had moments where we thought it was really touch and go. And then like, she totally like turned a corner. So like there was Mm -hmm. a time where I thought, okay, maybe this is just like a little dip and that like, she'll totally bounce back again. Right. Right. So I would say Monday, basically the day you left. Yeah. It was the day you left Mm -hmm. because you left that morning at 1am. Yeah we got news that this was not going to be a rebound situation. And so it was kind of like, it was kind of like make or break. You're either going to come out and say goodbye or you're not going to. And I had a very emotional FaceTime with her and chatted with her and told her how much she meant to me. and And I just wasn't sure if I was going to also like hop on, you know, a flight from Puerto Rico to St. George and go say goodbye. Um, Chandler, what were your thoughts? So I talked to mom in the airport uh, in Puerto Rico before we left. And there was like a moment where I was like, do I just fly to Utah from like Newark? Um, But that those flights were really expensive and that was going to be like kind of a crazy journey as well. So I figured, okay, let me just get back to the West coast. St. George is like, you know, it's a, it is still like a layover flight. I have to like fly to Phoenix or, um, Right, or s- somewhere else to connect, but or Salt Lake, but I figured, okay, I could like get a, I could get there easier from the West Coast than from the East Coast. Right, right, exactly. And so you were you were flying in Tuesday at seven p.m. and it was really it was so it was the morning you left. Gosh, it's so crazy looking back. And and I just ended up making the decision like I'm gonna go. And <laughs> it was a chaotic decision. I oh booked my gosh. a flight. I canceled my flight, and then you know 4 hours later i booked a new flight the same flight mm-hmm. and made the you know the mental commitment that i was going to do it and and honestly i made the co- i made the decision based out of a fear of regret you know i didn't want to let you know i didn't want to let things that inevitably didn't matter like my own right. feelings about you know wanting to to have control over my environment and just stupid stuff like that like leave me with lasting regret, and I think that you and I are both like people very much prone to guilt, especially guilt mm-hmm. when it comes to anything family related. Right, right. And and so I wanted to. Anyway, I just decided I'm going to hop on a plane. And I'm going to go. Yeah, I mean, so I felt like pretty financially tapped. I was like, okay, I don't like. I just spent all this money on Puerto Rico. I was like, oh my gosh, like this this isn't it. It wasn't also a cheap flight too because it was a connecting flight. And I was like, I've just been out of work for a week. And there were all of these, like, kind of, you know, life, like, very, like, normal logistical reasons that were making me feel like, oh, this is, like, going to be a big stress that I just eventually had to, like, make peace with and be like, ah, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to remember any of these, like, stressors. um, Exactly. You know, six months from now, a year from now, five years from now. And truthfully, I had airline points. I also have, like, a wonderful team at work who was just like, yes, go. Like, there was literally just, like, carte blanche, like, whatever you need to do, it's handled. Like, I felt, like, mm-hmm. so lucky that, like, work was just, like – Like, I have had other jobs where it's felt, like, a little bit more, um, like, annoying to have these, like, type of family emergencies, especially a family emergency on the heels of a week-long vacation. Like, I just felt yeah. so guilty about it. But I, like, mind that my job was, like, fantastic about it. So I just, like, also booked a flight in a chaotic way. And, um, yeah, I got there on Wednesday night. So I ended up, I ended up, I, yeah, it's like all those extraneous, you know, very normal logistical concerns you just know will melt away into actually nothing. And all you'll be left with is, did I do everything I could? And, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so ultimately, yeah, like I, I booked the flight. I was, I booked the flight for the next morning. I was at the airport by 5.30 and I was, you know, on a flight. By 6:30 a.m. And so I landed in in Utah and we spent the last week with her. And it truly was the best decision. And I am so grateful we did that. I mean, it was so beautiful. We got to be with her during really her one of her last days where she was with like aware and could have a conversation and go back and forth. And it was so sweet. She like didn't want us to leave. She was like every time we were like, okay, well, maybe we'll let you sleep because we didn't want to. We really didn't want to be overtaxing on her. She was mm-hmm. like, no, no, no. Like I don't, I don't want you to leave. Don't leave. And it was just beautiful. I will treasure the memory of those days forever. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't want to get emotional. Um, I'm gonna try not to. But I think there was something really uh, special and like almost like sacred about being with someone and they're like final days where mm-hmm. it's just really peaceful and you're just like there to be to take care of them or to just be like a warm presence as right. they you know slip away and I felt so like lucky to have been there and like um, to lay next to her and to like hold her and just make her feel like she was loved I mean the woman literally that we had to like put notes on the doors for people to stop stopping by um, she had so many people who were lo- loved her and were so moved by her. Yeah, yeah. So now I'm like, okay, I if I hadn't have gone, I really would have been, like, remiss. So I am mm-hmm. really happy that we were there. And also I think just to be together as a family in these moments is really solidifying. Um, right. I just – you don't want anyone else by your side. Yeah, I think that it was – like, so we ended up, you know – her last couple days was just with her children, which I think we all thought was appropriate. Like, you know, it wasn't right. – it really – it's an intimate thing. You don't want to crowd in that environment. Um, yeah. And so I thought it was great that she was just with her children her last few days. Um, and so it was really just you, me, and Courtney and the kids kind of processing together alone. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I felt like it was just so bonding to go through that together. I honestly, I I think we will never forget those days together as sisters. Yeah. I had like this new realization when we were there that truly we have a very, very tight knit family. Like I think, oh like we're a close family, but like we're not we're not just like a family that's close. Like we're a family that's incredibly mm-hmm. tight knit and who mm-hmm. like go to each other very often and spend a lot of time together. And I just felt so grateful that like we continue to prioritize that because I really feel like come like anything else, like hell or high water, as mom would say, like family is all that matters. Like even though we have our shared drama and there was maybe a fight about, you know, uh, Jimmy John's or what are what's Jimmy <laughs> Steve's. <laughs> it's my uh, Mike's Jersey, whatever, Mikes, J- Jersey me. Mike's there was a there was a there was a tearful conversation about a Jersey Mike sandwich okay I think emotions <laughs> were heightened the emotions problem were heightened. the but, fight was resolved within 20 minutes right and that's but honestly that's what I just love about our family like we maybe have like you know a, a little bit of drama here and there and but we like we're always over it within like you know about an hour 45 tops right And I'm just so glad that we're just such a close family. Like I just will continue to prioritize that for the rest of my life. And if I don't, you like better take a flight and slap me and tell me to like get it together. Yeah. I think that we've just kind of established an expectation almost that – we've established like we've just established – I don't know what it is actually. I don't know if there's no one, no one's ever laid down the law, but I think that there are certain members of our family that always make the sacrifice to be there. Right. Whether it's bringing all of their kids or whatever it is. And I had a moment in Puerto Rico where I was like, I don't want the fact that I moved to Puerto Rico to now make me the type of person in our family where I'm just not at everything. Like I'm I'm the type, I'm the person who's at things every other year or whatever it is. Like absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think really... Like, it is such – it is it is something I'm so grateful for because it's truly a magical experience to love so deeply the people around you and to also be so fiercely, you know, loved. Right. No, I, I think that's exactly it. I think there's, like, there's a group of us who totally, like, uh, just decide, like, to make the sacrifice, like, all the time. And, and it is a sacrifice. Like, I definitely could have saved a lot of money if I didn't, like, always fly to Utah to, like, see Courtney or whatever – Um, But, like, it does make a huge difference in the way our relationships are, you know, able to continue on as we, like, get older and life changes and everything like that. One, I think we also – and I know this is Pop Apologist podcast, so I'm sorry if this is so boring, you guys. Probably skip ahead 10 minutes where we'll get to celeb stuff if you're not interested in this. Um, Yeah, But I think we also, like, now that we don't live in the same states, our relationships are really solidified – and our family like dynamics and our family memories are solidified by spending long periods of time together. So whether that's a couple weeks multiple times a year, you know, if you go, if you if you stop doing those couple weeks, if you stop essentially i would say cumulatively we spend 6 to 8 weeks together as a family per year. And if mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. gets cut in half, that dramatically makes our family less close. And I totally. think that it's a sacrifice to make it work. But while you can, while while you can financially swing it, while you don't have responsibilities that truly tie you down, it's important to do. It just is important to do. A thousand percent. Yeah. And so I think it was just that impulse, that and that kind of realization that, you know, extraneous logistical comforts and convenience ultimately don't matter. And that led me to also make the decision to stay for the funeral, stay a couple of weeks in Utah, spend log more time with the kids, um, and then also see all of our extended family who we really love so much. And so anyway, so now I am in Utah till the 20th, funerals on the 19th. Um, and Chan, you get here in a week, so it'll be great to spend more time together. Totally, totally. Um, one thing that I think is so sweet is that our grandma did actually listen to the podcast, which at times made Lauren and I very nervous. Um, yeah we, we had several conversations about how we would hear that she was listening, and we would then feel a lot of shame and guilt about maybe things we were talking about, you know, um as much as we make fun of our mom saying this podcast is absolutely so embarrassing to our family, like we don't actually ever want to bring shame to our family name. So our sweet right. you know, our sweet grandmother, we never wanted her to feel like you know, maybe she was exposed to some parts of our life that she didn't always like love or approve of, but. I think our grandma was maybe more progressive than we thought and was also just like the least judgmental woman that I've ever known. And, you know, like always loved us unconditionally and has like, it was always so proud of us. So. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the things, the interesting things about her is that even though she was such a devout Mormon woman, she was so Mormon that she was actually Christ-like in the way that she didn't judge people like Mm -hmm. she Mm -hmm. was Mormon to the point of being non-judgmental so she didn't use religion as a vehicle for petty judgment of others and policing other people which I think a lot of people do unfortunately she was you know truly non-judgmental yeah. And she never even talked to me about my my own lack of beliefs and my own kind of alternative life path when compared to the rest of our family. And I look back at that and I'm just and I just think like she never tried to exert any sort of control mm-hmm. or influence. The only thing she ever tried to do was have a loving relationship. And I just right. think that that's such a testament to the woman that she was. Yeah. I mean, all she ever did was just convey that, like we were just so loved by her and by God, and I just yeah, I will miss her so much, yeah, and I think one other thing about her that I just want to say is that she when i'm when I remember her, she's just such a person who, if you looked at the exterior of her life, if you looked at the brass tacks on paper, her life was extremely hard, but if you talked to her, you would have never thought she had a hard life. she was yeah. always so happy. And so grateful, and it, she just in spirit and an attitude and an outlook was someone to really look up to because she was just such a positive, grateful person, regardless of her circumstances. Right, and and the way that she like gave of herself and what like the what little she had like to other people was like, I mean, even just hearing people come over and talk about her, uh, like what kind of neighbor she was, what kind of like you know church member she was, like how she just fully gave all of her resources to other people, and, like, she never missed a birthday. She has, she has 40 grandchildren and I think 44 great-grandchildren, and no birthdays were ever missed. Right. right. Like, we always got a loving card and a cute $2 bill. Like, she was I, – I don't understand how the woman had the energy or, like, the wherewithal to, like, keep track of everybody, but she did, and she always made all of us feel like the favorite. Like, I truly believe that. Yeah, truly one of a kind. And it was just so amazing to spend time with her this past week. Yeah. Lauren, as we made our descent into New York, you know, from our beloved Guana Island trip, Mm. I got excited thinking about coming home to like my more simple routine food, like my Mm -hmm. Clean Simple Eats protein powder. strangely tastes really good, like chocolate milk. It's a super fast, easy, quick snack. Also, I just love that the ingredients are clean. They're grass fed. It's 20 grams of protein for 110 calories. It is just the best protein powder out there. Everyone go to cleansimpleeats.com and use the promo code pop Apologist for 10% off. That's pop apologists for 10% off clean symbol eats.com pop Apologist for 10% off. Cute frames, beautiful, sleek, modern, so you can just hang your gallery wall, and it's good to go. They make it very easy on a layperson like yourself. Everyone, see why Framebridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit framebridge.com or a local Framebridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything. That's framebridge.com. Okay, need to take a second and chat about one of our delightful sponsors, HelloFresh. HelloFresh takes so much off my plate, literally. Every week, they have over 27 recipes to choose from, from the vegetarian meals to the calorie smart choices to craft burgers to extra special gourmet options. You cannot go wrong. I have felt like a true adult as I've made stunning steak dinners for myself. Is there anything more adult, honestly, than that? Just ask my roommates. They are impressed. Another reason I love HelloFresh is because they help me cut down on food waste. You know Earth Day is not just about the thirst traps. I try to be green and save the earth, all that good stuff. And I hate, hate, hate when I have to throw away food. And HelloFresh helps you cut out, you know, the stressful meal planning and grocery store trips. I always overbuy or think I have something that I don't, but they just figure it all out for you. There is a reason it is America's number one meal kit. As always, we have a special offer for our listeners. Go to hellofresh.com slash 12pop and use code 12POP for 12 free meals, including free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash 12POP and use code 12POP for 12 free meals, including free shipping. Thanks, y'all. Okay, so let's move on, though, to some other, you know, familial news, even tied to grandmothers. Chandler, Mm -hmm. can we discuss the name of the new child born unto us, um, born into the world? Wow. Lilibet. <laughs> a little bit Diana uh yes born over the daughter weekend of, daughter of Harry and Meghan mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Duke and well. Duchess of Sussex born in a cute little Santa Barbara hospital mm. oh probably already adorned in some sort of islet you know right. some sort of islet doily-esque outfit okay I just want your thoughts on the name uh, I think the name is adorable I think it's really sweet uh, I think it's also interesting that um, Kate never named anything after Diana like that that only occurred to me after um, Megan did yeah I didn't know Kate included Diana in Princess Charlotte's name as well until I was kind of doing a little bit of research for the pod so wait she okay so what did she include what was what was what Charlotte's uh, so it's middle name Princess Charlotte I know her full name includes Elizabeth Diana oh interesting okay so she was one of those really long but it I never yeah. even knew about it it was not publicized right which is interesting right yeah. Well. Okay. So, what I think is interesting is so first of all the vitriol, the the pure vitriol from some people regarding this name. I mean, people hate Meghan Markle with such a fury. There's one girl I follow and who posts amazing celebrity caps and commentary. But oh my gosh, it was like a multi-slide attack on Meghan Markle for choosing this name and how like, after you've just slandered this family, after you just drug them through the mud, how dare you? And I just think it's so interesting. I mean, I definitely understand. I don't really understand that perspective. Um, And I, I do think it's a little bit gratuitous on part of Harry and Meghan, like I think that it's such a public nod. And I think that it actually would have been a lot sweeter to have named her Lily and then, you know, wrote a private note to the queen that basically said that this was a private nod to the name Lilibet, but that this was just, that this wasn't something that they were going to, like, just have it be a private thing. I think the name Lilibet is a little cringe and a little corny. I think they should have just gone with Lily. And then, It could have been something that was like classy and private and like a family, a family thing rather than I think Lilibet Diana. It's such an overt nod to her royal lineage and it just seems maybe a little bit like clout chasing, if you will. So I kind of, I get the criticism. I don't. Although I don't get the criticism at all. I don't think it's like, I don't think it's like warranted. I mean, she's a royal baby. Like, of course she's going to have like this full- like brilliant name i don't know why she has to go by lily like and like i'm sure she's gonna go by lily actually but i don't know like she's i don't know why her like first name has to be more casual like of course she's gonna have this like very royal like you know title yeah i think it i think it all honestly it all hinges on whether there's authentically a truly good relationship between harry and megan and the queen or not because if well i think there not, is i think there is because they like they did not slander the queen at yeah, all, but this. the queen is the head of the household, the head of that family, and they slandered the family. And it all just depends on if that relationship is truly warm, truly loving, or I mean, if there is tension. There, I think if there's tension, if the relationship is in any way strained and awkward, the name is weird. And if but if the relationship is is warm, is there's no awkwardness that this doesn't, you know, come across. Then this doesn't come across as pandering and a clout chasing, at least privately. She's married to like the prince of whatever. Like, I don't think it's clout chasing for her to name the baby, her daughter, after the two, you know, after the queen and Princess Diana. I think I understand people's criticism. I don't also possess the same vitriol um, behind it. I think that it's a nuanced conversation and it really depends on the state of their relationship with the queen. But you know, it's, I think it is a situation where given that they've dramatically left the family, I think that it's understandable that this overt public nod to the family, you know, it's it's mixed messages. And I think that it's also, there's an element of the fact that they didn't include anything of her family. Mm, yeah. No, no mean, nod to her own family, no nod to her own mother in the name, which is, which I think was a miss. Yeah, totally. It's like, well, if you're gonna, I mean, like, you're gonna like name your kid all these names. Like, might as well throw another one in there. Yeah, I think it's it's a strange omission given their their recent choices. That's for sure. I think the name is gorgeous, though. Like, I don't I don't mind lilybeth I think it's cute. She'll obviously go by Lily. I think Lily Diana is gorgeous. I agree, but I would say that Lily Diana, with a private note to the Queen, would have been a more restrained, appropriate choice given the historical context of when the child was born. Yeah, but, you know, Megan doesn't really play by those rules. You know, that's true. That is true. And I am her defense attorney, but I do understand the criticism. Um, Okay. Shall we move on? That's not what she's paying you to do, but anyways. Okay. That's beside the point, I suppose. (laughs) Uh, Pro bono. Okay. So you got what you pay for, Megs. Truly. Um, Okay, Okay. Yeah. Let's move on. Let's move on. Gwyneth Paltrow, she posted that her and Apple have a tradition where every year on Apple's birthday, they get a new piercing together. And I thought This, this was hilarious. This is unfathomable to me, but please proceed. I thought this was hilarious because I recently got, you know, I always had one piercing and then I got two additional piercings in each ear because I do think that multiple piercings are so incredibly... Trendy and cute, and add a unique edge. And I don't think that they're trashy in any sort, in any way. Um, however, I got them like three weeks ago or a month ago, and then we flew into town, saw mom, and mom immediately shamed me. Um, so mom made a, definitely a snide and rude remark about them, even though I thought Ugh. they looked super cute and were, you know. Anyway. Whatever. um, and, and mom literally shamed me to the point where I took mine out and then I'm just letting them close up because they're basically not even going to leave a scar. Are you and serious? Like you're actually letting, letting them close up fully? Like mom has shamed you into yeah. literally taking all of them out? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. And I think I will get them re- re-pierced at another time. And maybe this makes me so crazy and neurotic. But I took them out and I looked at them and I realized that they would close without a trace. And I just realized that on my wedding day, I don't want two additional holes in my ear. And I just want to wear a pair of earrings and I don't want two empty holes. I don't want that. However, I don't think I will care thereafter about that. And I'll probably, I don't want to wear multiple piercings on my wedding day. And so I think that I will get them re-pierced after my wedding day and be fine with wearing multiple earrings at all times. Okay. That is my decision. Lauren, no one will notice if you have holes in your ears on your wedding day. You have cute freckly ears, which like I feel like distract. Like there's no – like you couldn't even see the hole. Like even when you took them out, I could not see the hole. So I don't think anyone would ever even notice the hole. And I also think you're letting mom win. I know. I know. I'm letting crazy patriarchal like vestiges from our childhood guide my decisions as a 30-year-old woman. However, I just think – I recognize that there are parts of our Mormon upbringing that still remain firmly entrenched in my psyche. Is it neurotic? Is it totally irrational and unreasonable? Absolutely. However, it persists and exists. You're letting mom win and I think you need to rise up. I I absolutely agree and I have no excuses. I think we should move forward. (laughs) When I got my piercings, when I got my second piercing, I hid it from mom, I guess, for a full year, basically. And then I didn't show her till the day I graduated from college. Like at my graduation okay, so, college party, I was like, oh, by the way, I actually have this. I mean, I will say one additional piercing in your, in one ear is different than three on each side. I, yeah, I, I know it's nothing and and it literally I think actually looks so classy and so good and I think elegant like I think it's such a way to have a little bit more of a edgy vibe as an otherwise elegant person however I just I don't know I'm you just don't. You, know, actually, I'm, you actually just don't believe any of that no it's <laughs> not that at all I just don't want I'm gonna wear my hair up on my wedding day I I don't know what what those piercings will look like when taken out in a year from now and if they will be actually visible and there's a part of me that just doesn't want visible additional holes in my ears on my wedding day maybe you okay. can just permit me to be a neurotic bride i will allow you to have tunnel vision for your wedding and i look forward to you know march of 2022 thank you where i can pay claire's an additional 140 dollars okay Great. let's move forward yeah emrata She posted a thirst trap in a bikini with her baby. And you guys, we've already dedicated basically two to three full episodes to hating Amrata and exposing her as a, you know, terrorist against all women. So I don't Mm -hmm. think we need to belabor that point. But I think it would be interesting to just touch on this picture, Chandler. Yeah, let's touch on it. So she posts the picture and promptly removes the ability to comment which I thought was interesting um, and she got a lot of hate and mom shaming because the child uh the child is being held in a way that does not seem to optimize for the child's comfort. I think that's safe it, too. It's like the most, most apathetic like stance ever. Like as she's holding, like literally her body language is apathetic. It's like, I'm barely holding. It looks like your teenage babysitter like has to watch the kid at the pool. Like that's kind of what I'm gleaning from this photo. <laughs> your slutty teenage nanny. No, I'm sorry. Um. Yeah, exactly. If she looks like, the the child looks like Like it's like having a circulation cut off in a strange way and the neck is not supported and it's kind of just like arching backward, like, you know, limply, like willing itself to return to the earth. And away from its, you know, narcissistic mother, if you will. For some reason, it gives me, like, like you know how Zara does, like, has, like, terrible styling photos of their clothes, like, where they, like, all look very weird. It looks like the baby is, like, for sale on Zara and it's, like, <laughs> like and Rod is, like, help modeling it. Like, it's so odd. It's, her defense, doing that, though, it's doing that strange arched back, like, you know, reaching, you know, behind your heels vibe pose. Yeah. Um, In her defense, she does have like a swipe where she's holding it in a more normal way, but it's very odd. I don't like it. I hate stuff like this more than anything. Okay, so I think that the reason why this photo is annoying is because if the point is to show that you have, you know, a size zero figure virtually weeks from giving birth, a few months from giving birth. That can be accomplished and maybe a little bit less of an overt way, but it's also like the sultry pout. Like it's like it's like the focus is always be as sexy as possible. And I don't want to like shame new mothers. I don't want to be a part of a culture that says moms can't be sexy. That's not what I'm trying to do. I just think it's an interesting choice that there's like essentially no kind of more sweet content mixed in. Like emrata is just like full sex all the time. Yes, Even with that is exactly child. what it is. That's exactly what it is. There's not really like a, here's my like, I just feel like the normal pose in that situation would be a smile versus a pout. And that's right. really like what's interesting is that you're getting like this like pout like sex face. And then it's like, and then my baby's also on my arm. Like, and that's all of her photos with the baby. Yeah. Like using her baby to push her boobs up. It's just, if you were going to go to the Academy of Thirst Trapping um, by Lauren Bledsoe that, you know, I'm I'm creating my Corsair course as we speak, this would not be This would not be in the approved guidelines or style guide. Okay, you gotta you gotta have it be semi candid. You gotta have it be a little bit more sweet. I went back in the archives and she has a photo of herself like uh, straddling her man like on the grass. Did you see this one? Oh, it's not even in the archives. It's like six photos down. Yeah, it's like I just you know I scrolled back a little bit and it was like I didn't even know I was pregnant here. It's like why is everything all sex all the time? Can I talk to you about a product that you love, that Courtney loves, and that I love, please? Early bird CBD gummies are so phenomenal, everyone. They are the perfect. 2.5
1: And let's be honest, all of the drama. I'll give you a day's worth of celebrity and reality news weekday afternoons in just under an hour. New episodes of Daily Dose of Donna post weekday afternoons and are now available in video on Spotify. Subscribe to Daily Dose of Donna. That's D A N A on your podcast app.
0: Full ass out. That's yes. what it is. It's like it's it's the it's it's all sex. Like that is the that is always the message. Is Emrata as sex object? Right. By Emrata. Right. And I don't know. And now she's it's like off- having a family life and, and she's trying to like do both at the same time. And it's just like, it's not hitting. I mean, call me like Serena Waterford. Call me Serena Joy Waterford, <laughs> but it's off putting. Okay. It's just off putting. All right. Moving on. I think we should talk about Amelia Gray. Okay. Yes. In the same variety of, I would say, unseemly Instagram posts, Scott Disick posted a basically naked photo i mean she's wearing a nude thong and a nude bra while reaching up for you know something on the top shelf he posted this photo of her chandler what are your thoughts here are my serena joy waterford thoughts okay (laughs) okay are you ready (laughs) yes um hold on one give me one second i'm scrolling where did it go here it is did you move it okay um hold on okay yes um i am not here for these sexy couple postings I mm-hmm. get it. Like, we're in Hollywood, sex sells, yada, yada. Um, like I said, I'm Serena right now, and I. this is, like, a, a pearl-clutching belief I have. I just don't love it when men get gross on Instagram. I don't really love it when men get, are gross, like, in real life either, like, and, like, sexualize their woman publicly. Like, I think it's kind of nasty. Um, post your body, look hot, sell your lingerie. I just don't want, like, your boyfriend captioning, like, images yeah. of you in this sexual way. Also, your boyfriend who is like who has a daughter who's like, you know, who's closer to your age than he is. Well no, like, he's literally twice her age at this point. Yes. He, she is she's a teenager still. She's still a teen. She's nineteen. Like also another factor of this is that you, you know all of his kids have an Instagram and they see this. He's like an eleven year old son. Like it's it's I'm- disgusting. It's disgusting and I think that I absolutely believe that a, relationships with big age gaps can absolutely be loving and authentic and wonderful. It's not about that. It's about when the age gap it, I think the when when age gaps become concerning is when the more vulnerable younger person is being primarily sexually exploited. And that's when people find it to be troubling and gross. And this And post, that is what this picture underlines that yeah, this posting reaffirms that concern, I would say. And so I think it's just, I think it's gross. And, you know, I, another interesting thing I think is that he never did this with Sophia. And so I wonder what he's trying to prove. Is he trying to prove that he doesn't need Sophia? He's found a, a new younger sex object with Amelia. Like, what is the impetus behind this kind of taking it to the next level? Is he upset with the Kravis's explicit postings of each other? Is this a um, is this a kind of dig toward Courtney? I mean, I I think he maybe is upset about like some of the Kravis like lovey-dovey like truly seeming in love post maybe that's like partly feeling this i also think we have like as a society have given scott disick like license to be as gross as he wants to be and i like i'm right and i won't stand for it anymore and i won't have it in our children's homes i won't have it on my tv (laughs) i won't have it in my family i just he's disgusting i renounce him You and I like vacillate between like, you know, teal clad wives of Gilead. And uh, I would say like, you know, I would say like, uh, (laughs) and whoremongers, pussy hat protesters during the Trump election. Like those are really like the the pendulum swings, I would say moment to moment from both sides. Right. uh, From both ends of the spectrum for us. Yeah, we really do. But in this side, I... I don my veil, and I just think that this is not a direction I would like to go in as a society. I also think that Lisa Renna would literally sell, like, sell her daughters to the highest bidder, and does not care at all, and just loves the fame. And that is just a side of like Hollywood parenting that I find to be disgusting. Right? Where like where Kris Jenner truly is like a mother who is like a part of the Hollywood machine, but is a mother first who sends her kids Bible verses, you know, every day, scripture of the days. I don't know if you've seen those on Courtney's Instagram. Um, You know, Lisa Rinna is a morally bankrupt woman who will not be found, you know, in favor in the eyes of God. There, there is seriously no greater example of cognitive dissonance than us on this podcast proclaiming <laughs> our agnosticism and atheism, essentially, while also espousing like the hotness of Christian men and the values of a good Christian society. Okay? It makes no sense, you guys, and we firmly acknowledge it. We firmly acknowledge that we basically are hypocrites, and yeah, thanks for totally. listening. Thank you. Thank you for tolerating us. Okay. Okay. Other celeb news. Um, oh, also, I just want to acknowledge that, you know, there's many theories on how the Kardashians actually became famous and if Kris Jenner actually released Kim's tape. So we acknowledge that as well. And we don't know. And we are going to choose to believe that Kris Jenner is a good Christian woman. Okay. So moving forward, Chandler, Hilaria Baldwin, and Alec Baldwin. They have a new podcast coming out called What's Another One? Okay. Why God, why? (laughs) Here's my question, Chandler. Okay. And this is what I think is hilarious. Why can't rich people just be content to be rich people? Why can't actors just be content to be wealthy, famous actors? Acting is an art. Like, why have we entered this dystopian future where people who are at their height of like, of esteem and a very respected profession, a profession that is considered also to be an art form. Why are they now all leaving that profession in droves for, I guess, the brighter, warmer shores of influencing and podcasting? It just makes no I mean, sense to me. They're going to have a rude awakening when they get that uh, first paycheck, you know? Uh, <laughs> it's not exactly a billionaire industry. That's all I got to say, okay? And also- on another level, a good podcast is a lot of work, all right? We have a mediocre podcast, and it's also a lot of work. Um, Absolutely. I think it's going to be extremely challenging to work with your spouse. Like, I have a hard enough time, and I work with my sister, okay? To work with your spouse <laughs> is going to be very hard. I remember listening to one of Arielle Lore's pods, and she was saying that, she was trying to record this episode with Chuck, and it literally took them like three tries to get into a good rhythm. So, a weekly podcast where all you do is talk to the person you're already spending all your time with around the clock—you like, you know, probably have the most, uh, like gripes with. Like, that's going to be difficult. I don't know why anyone would do oh. that to themselves. Good luck. Our, our bond as sisters has basically, like it's had to go through a bit of a ringer to get into a good groove with this podcast. And we've emerged and we're fine, but it's been a tough journey. So all I will say is that I hope John Palazzo takes the bar in whatever state they end up getting divorced in, because that's the only way that this podcast will end. A, a, thousand a dissolution also- of, ma- of marriage. What is it going to be about? Is it going to be, like, freaking tone-deaf parenting advice from the ultra-rich? This is what I'm, like, already, like, resenting about it. It's going to be, like, here's how to be so mindful and so present as a parent when you have all the money in the world, all the Sakura, you know, vegan delivery food, and all the weekend getaways to the Hamptons you could ever want. Like, I'm just – I'm not here for it. Oh, and I'm sure excessive, excessive Mm childcare. Also, there's just, like – there's just something to me about – and I, I'm just gonna return to this thought. There's just something to me that's hilarious about the fact that so many esteemed actors have literally left the profession to be influencers and podcasters. I mean, the graveyard of acting careers grows larger and larger as everyone ditches the sacred art of performance for shilling products and talking about nothing. Look at Harry and Meghan; They left. The Royal Family to essentially start a podcast. I mean, any day now, we're gonna get word from Meryl Streep and Daniel J. Lewis that they are giving up acting to start a YouTube channel. Okay. Oh, I cannot wait for the days of method podcasting, truly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Chandler, can I also talk to you about a few grievances I have, a few complaints? Air them out, let's hear it. Thank you. Um, this all was triggered. I'm very triggered this morning because I went to Dutch Bros for coffee which is our and new favorite spot to s- thanks to courtney yeah well i'm not i don't want to sponsor them right now because i'm mad at them okay okay sorry sorry um revoke <laughs> <laughs> i just no need to apologize um okay so i pull up to, dro- to dutch bros this morning i'm a bedraggled mess hair askew i'm in kagan's boxers and a sweatshirt mm-hmm. okay we don't really and love to this wear cute girl- pajamas Out and about, you know, when we're getting our coffee. Well, I just am not equipped with all of my apparel, with Mm -hmm. all my sleepwear apparel right now. It's just not happening. Um, Anyway, and both of us, we don't have proper cerebral functioning before full caffeination, okay? Right. I don't want to be talked to. I don't want to speak to others until the IV drip is fully coursing through my veins. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Anyway... mm -hmm. um, I'm in the drive-through, and this sprightly 18-year-old on an i iP- with her iPad ringing me up looks at me. Okay, full. I'm a full wreck, and says, "On your way to work?" <laughs> I. <laughs> that is honestly anyway. the best dig I've ever heard. I think she was trying to offend you. Oh no, no. Let me just, just, just wait for the slow torture that ensues. Okay, and. Anyway, so I muster like a paint, eh, sort of. I, 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 you know, I work from home, barely speaking English. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And anyway, I'm hoping her next words are, here's your order. But instead she replies, oh, cool, what do you do for work? Oh, and I- sweet, I, sweet I gro- girl. I groan internally. And I'm just like, oh, I have a few businesses. Nice, what are they? Oh, my Lord. (laughs) Okay. The pace we're going, I will be happy if I get this caffeination by the time – By the time Retain goes public? Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) By the time Bitcoin hits a million dollars, I just hope this coffee is ready from Dutch Bros. Okay? Okay? So I'm trapped. I cannot get out of this interminable conversation. And I'm like, oh, you know, one's a podcast and one's a finance business. What made you want to start those? God in heaven. Why? (laughs) I don't know. I still don't know why I chose to start either of them. I'm not sure if either of them are going to take off, okay? So just shut up. Like, what other reason do you start a business? To make money. That's it. There's no other reason. Like, also, why do I have to talk to you about this? Why am I on suddenly not in the drive-thru for coffee, but talking to Guy Raz on how I built this? <laughs> like, are you kidding me? You're at, like, okay. the business summit of Dutch Rose, like, drive-thru. A hundred percent. Like, this is an unpaid-for, you know, panel discussion at the Forbes conference. You know, the the poor man's Forbes conference. Anyway, so I'm like, oh, you know, I just didn't want to work for other people, And she's like, she's like, for sure. Are they doing well? Isn't that like not okay to ask? And I'm just like, yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah, 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 yeah. yeah." Like, I just can't even muster anything Uh beyond just like yes in different tones. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, like an apparition, okay, like a glimpse in a glimmer of light. I'm sorry for all of our religious folks, but like Jesus Christ in the second coming, my coffee appears in the window. And thank God, because I was ready, I was ready to murder someone at that point. I was ready to murder this sweet, this sweet college girl. And here is my complaint, okay? I think working in customer service, I worked those jobs ad nauseum for a decade. Listen. I didn't care. I didn't want to know about my customers. They didn't want to know about me, and I understood that. Why? Beyond one to two pleasantries, can we pass on the interrogations? Honestly, I don't think – like, I think this is coming down from corporate Dutch bros where they're literally like, you need to make conversation. Make make this drive-through an experience for our customers, all right? It, it, no, exactly. And then it's, it's literally just like at the bank where they're like – when, when I used to go into the bank, when they would be like, any any fun plans this weekend? Uh, probably not because I'm never going to get out of this bank because this is the first of a hundred questions that you're going to ask me. Anyway, it's my pet peeve and I know it makes me sound like the most Karen of consumers, but it's just, it's too much, especially pre And then here's the final complaint, Chandler. Insult to injury. I must rant about this. Before the transaction was over, she turned the iPad to me and she said, this is totally optional, but would you like to leave a tip? Oh my gosh. Uh, And it's not, it wasn't like I could press the button, it was for her to press the button. Right, right. So I had to verbally tell her no, which of (gasps) course I'm not going to do. Right, right. No one's going to tell you no to your face. We're all just going to hit no tip and then shamefully drive away. Here's my yes okay a thousand percent i have some notes on this because i truly like i we square has literally like changed the game in this way where now everything is we're supposed to tip on like literally i go to a cafe i order a coffee or a cup of water for them to just literally pour hand back to me it's a 30 second exercise like there's no like you know craft that goes into it maybe i'm gonna get canceled for saying this i don't know and I'm expected to tip on top of that. Every single thing I am purchasing with like a square system, I'm expected to tip. They flip the screen around and then they watch you. And I and I don't think it's fair because it's made me less of a generous person. And I actually like I always tip 20% at restaurants like I do. And my DoorDashers, like Ubers like everything like those types of jobs, I totally feel like I should be tipping on. But like this totally it's made me feel like mad at tipping and feel like I'm getting scammed. Um, Right. So, like, what I do is I literally, if I don't tip, I will hit new sales so that it's not, like, so evident when they flip it back around. I'm sorry. I just consider, like, Dutch Bros to be the McDonald's drive-thru coffees – I don't need to tip at McDonald's. Why do I need to tip at Dutch Bros? Like just because it's a coffee beverage? Like I don't think so. Like, sure, if I order a coffee at a cafe and a latte is brought to me on gorgeous China with a saucer, I'll sling a dollar at that baby. Like, of course. But if I'm just going through a drive-thru, like in a an ordinary an ordinary American consumer trying to get through her day? Why do I have to add on an additional 20% to that transaction when I'm already paying five fifty? dollars that costs $0.30 for the company to make? Yeah, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Also, I have a friend and he has a really good rule. It's basically like if, if you're at an establishment where you're expected to bust your own table, you don't tip. Like- that's kind of like the bar. Like if that you have to sense. do everything for yourself, yeah. including get the food, clean up after yourself, then there's no tip involved. Like I was at, um, I was at Jersey Mike's. Um, we were at Jersey Mike's together, and there was the opp- opportunity to tip. And it's like this is like Subway. Like why do? And and it's fine, a buck, whatever. But like it's no squares. Like at, the least they're going to give you is ten percent. So are you going to tip $4 on your $40 order or are you going to tip nothing? You know what I mean? They don't even give you the option of like a, a buck or two. And it's just – it's so much. I got um, I got Botox uh, with mom last weekend in St. George. And, and even there, it was a $13 unit. So it's not even cheap Botox. And then there's the option to tip. Why am I tipping? I just paid for a medical like per service. You get paid. You're going overpaying for something and my yeah. tipping. Anyway, I'm just it's, it's honestly, it's so egregious. It's egregious. Okay. I think that we as consumers in America need to take the power back. Just kidding. Uh, we have all the power, but still. <laughs> and we're, we're super obnoxious. <laughs> and honestly, with it. But st- the thing. it's like I I reserve my tipping. Like I just feel like I I feel like Uber drivers, DoorDash people, like all of those blessed people who are doing the most, not that like everyone working isn't, you know, working hard, but like those people literally like they need tips to like survive. Your Botox technician does not need tips to like pay her their rent. By the way, though, I resent, I resent DoorDash and Uber Eats and an Uber for putting on it on me to tip. Just charge what's going to pay these people an appropriate wage okay and then i can make the decision whether i need like shangwan noodles delivered to my door okay i'll make that choice but why do i have to deal with the emotional question of am i going to put an additional 10 to 20% on top of this transaction i get if someone's bringing food to your door 100% but even uber it's like can't they just pay the uber drivers and price right. out oh, the totally. rides it's like we're having to up the uh, slack as the consumer. Exactly. Like Ubers used to be super cheap in Puerto Rico. For some reason, they went super expensive overnight. So I'm paying $25 no, a ride generally. I'm paying 15 at to 30. At least $15. Yeah, for every ride. Yeah, rides have prices have gone up. And then on top of it, it's like it's a percentage of the total. Anyway, okay, I'll stop. I'll stop. Um, someone's going to check me into a an asylum here. So hopefully I'm around to do the Patreon this week. I might be recording we'll recording from some sort of, like, you know, river-adjacent serenity center. <laughs> refuge. Get yourself to refuge. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, it's been an excellent episode. It's been great chatting with you. I think there's a ringing in my background that people can probably hear, so it's probably Uh-oh. time to bid adieu. I can't hear it, but, you know, it pro- it's might be your oh, own excellent. head. It might literally be, like, you're you going <laughs> crazy. There's voices in my head that are speaking that I'm sure mm-hmm. people can hear. <laughs> okay love you sis love you bye bye that's all for now folks don't forget give us a five-star review hit us up on instagram at pop apologists and we will see you next week
1: live every wednesday